Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to another exciting podcast. This is podcast number 67, and uh, this one should be the last podcast of 2017. So we've been talking a little bit about reviewing uh, your year and and setting goals and kind of reflecting on all the different things that you've done uh, in the past 12 months. And so what I wanted to do is, since this is my first year, first full year doing the podcast, I want to go back and highlight some of the podcasts that really stood out to me. These were uh, podcasts that uh, I got a lot of information from, or uh, we had a lot of listens, or a lot of people kind of gave comments back to me saying that they really enjoyed them. So I've put together a couple of them. I'm going to play a couple clips of, of the different podcasts. Uh, I'll give you the podcast number so you can go back and listen to the whole thing if you're just tuning in and you're trying to uh, figure out what are some good podcasts to go back and listen to. These This is my list for 2017. There's obviously a lot of great content. We've had a lot of great guests, but these were the ones that really, really stood out to me. So the first one I want to start off with is podcast number 16. I'm going to do these in, in order of kind of oldest to newest. but uh, So these are in no particular order in terms of rank. But they are podcasts that uh, kind of as we progressed, uh, they really kind of uh, grew a special place in my heart. So uh, this is podcast number 16, and this was a big guest for me. This was Mark Green uh, with Hobby Lobby, and uh, he talks a lot about extravagant giving, um, extravagant generosity, I should say. And uh, man, it was uh, it was one of those things that until you hear somebody speak about extravagant generosity, it's really hard to comprehend. And so he talks a little bit about how that history history was grown in his family uh, and how he was able to really realize that uh, generosity is not uh, something that is intrinsic. It's something that uh, you get uh, through p- people showing it to you. And But once you understand it and once you realize the potential, it actually gives you the potential to do things you didn't know were possible. And, and one of the th- things that I love about this thing is, is this quote on happiness. So check out this clip uh, from podcast number 16. My grandmother wanted six preachers. She got five. Five of my, my aunts and uncles, all are preachers or married preachers, except my dad. But he got the generosity gift. And so, uh, you know, and then in Acts 20 and 35, it tells it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so, again, that's countercultural. It's not the way you think, but, you know, it is scriptural. And then uh, I remember reading a book called Entrepreneurship for Human Flourishing, and it, said, it, made a, it made a statement. It says, you know, money may buy happiness. And I thought, well, I don't know about that because the people who have the most money aren't always the happiest. But it says, but then it said, if it is linked to charity, those who donate to nonprofits are 43% more likely to say they are very happy than non-givers. Non-givers are three and a half times more likely than givers to say they are not happy at all. And that was a study done by the University of Chicago. So uh, money can buy happiness. You just have to give it away. <laughs> money can buy happiness. You just have to give it away. Man, that is, uh, that's just one of those statements that completely changes your point of view on success and 
finances and those kinds of things. So uh, check out the rest of that podcast. I I really encourage you. That one is uh, by far uh, just full of a a lot of good nuggets of information. The next podcast that I had, it was only three episodes later, and uh, this one is from Paul Wizakowski. Paul Wizakowski is a guy that I've gotten to know over the last couple of years and, and man, just really enjoy uh, getting to know him. And we had a member for him and uh, Paul was there and we were just talking about a a bunch of different topics. And and one of the topics that kind of came up was this conversation of my story is not your story. And it really comes down to, we get stuck in this comparison game. And I think it was really timely for me to hear that um, because I I think we always look around and and look at what everyone else is doing. We get a little bit of despair, that compared and despair at we're not maybe achieving what somebody else's is, and so, so thereby we are failing. And I think it's really important to recognize that that's not necessarily... The case. So let's let's tune in a little bit. I got a little clip here from uh, Paul's podcast, podcast number nineteen. I kept coming back to this this you know what am I dealing with? Well, man, I, I guess if I had to put words to it, I'm um, I'm just kind of wrestling with this sense of am I really on the right path? Am I am I heading in the direction that matters? That's going to get me where I want to be? And I it kind of just came out in the sense of with the words. Hey, I'm struggling with comparison, and the realization there is the, the the conclusion to all of that. At the end of it, is my path is not your path. Your path, you know, if I'm looking at you or or some of the other fellows around the room, is not my path. As that kind of started to unlock some more thoughts for me, it was kind of freeing. I didn't realize I was kind of in that funk. Uh, this was, at the time it was at the end of the year. Been doing this my business for a good two years, and. You know, there, there's there's seasons in life, there's seasons in business where you've already made the decisions. Now you just got to go do it. You got to go walk it out. And and you can cast vision all you want, but you need to make today happen. And you start building routines, you start building processes, you start looking for efficiencies, you start you know delegating, and that's all great. But as after a while, you know, you start to feel like, is this it? Is this what I'm building? Is this what I'm trying to do? And you kind of got to shake that off and reimagine, re-envision what's going on. And I think what I was just in the middle of that moment, or at least on that that kind of trend towards feeling like I'd kind of been in a routine. And um, you know, I, I am by default, my nature is is very vision casting, vision focused. I dream a lot. I love to write about it. You know, in the middle of that moment of feeling like, man, am I heading down the right path? You, you start looking at other people who are you know, uh, well, the most obvious thing is you, you look at what they're doing or have or what they use or their drive. And there's, there's a litany of ways to compare. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to compare. I don't want to be trying to do what somebody else is called to do or what somebody else has chosen to pursue. I want to do what God has called me to do and to pursue my my with my talents and, and gifts that I've developed that God has given me, I want to pursue my path. And uh, that is all summed up in the sense of what we talked about that night. Yeah, your path is not my path. I need to focus on my path. Paul talks about how not pursuing other people's path is freeing. And I think it's really important to realize that as you're going through life and you're looking at all the different possibilities that are out there, that it is important to realize that your path is not somebody else's path and to really embrace the path 
that you have ahead of you. So uh, tune into that podcast. Again, that's podcast number 19. Uh, fantastic podcast. Uh, Paul did a, a great job. I want to talk a little bit about my next one. This was podcast number 21. And this is one that I, I talked to a lot of people about when they ask about my podcast and they're like, which ones should we listen to? What are some of the uh, the guests that you've had that, that have really impacted you? And this is with a guy named Martin Fry. And Martin, he's considered the world's most adventurous man. He's climbed the highest summit on, on the seven continents and he sailed the seven seas. And then since the podcast, he's actually gone and crossed the North Pole and the South Pole. So in terms of big, audacious goals, Martin's got that pretty much covered. But one of the things I want to talk to him about it was goal setting because it was around January of last year uh, when I talked to him, or maybe a little bit later than that. But he had a, a statement a talk about underestimating yourself and under, under, underestimating the things that uh, you think you can do. Check out podcast number 21, where we're going to tune in for a little bit, a little clip of Martin talking about not underestimating yourself and realizing uh, the potential that you actually have. Well, this uh, wasn't a lifelong goal to go do. It just sort of opened up as an opportunity, and I kept pursuing each and every uh, leg of the adventure to see just how far I could take it. I love uh, setting big goals and having a vision of what you can do. And as you test yourself on these, you keep gaining an increased understanding of what you're capable of. I think so often um, a lot of people underestimate what they can accomplish. Yeah, I, I actually was watching one of your interviews and uh, you said something along the lines of our body can do it if our mind can do it. And I loved that quote because, you know, we talk about being thought changers on this podcast and, and changing our thinking. Uh, we can't change our destination overnight, but we can change our direction. And I think that you're kind of that walking example of having that right, right mindset, setting those big goals, like you said, and really uh, pushing ourselves to that next level to achieve things that we didn't even think were possible. You know, Evan, it starts with a with a vision of, of maybe an audacious uh, goal or objective that maybe is only a dream. And then we start to envision it a little more clearly. And then we put ourselves in that dream and think about what would have to happen for me to accomplish that goal. And then from there, it kind of gets laid out as a strategy. And from there, it's obviously specific objectives and and tactical issues and logistics and engaging a team around you to help you achieve your objective. But all of that comes together with that real uh, initial vision of where you think uh, you'd like to go in life. And those sorts of things, I think, um, require you to step outside your comfort zone and to just think blue ocean and what what could be possible if I really put my heart and soul into something. That's awesome. I love how you just basically laid out the plan for achieving your goals. I mean, you made it sound almost a little too simple. So <laughs> I'm going to have to make sure that I write that down because I, I think you, you put it perfectly, you know, from, from inception to completion, the exact path that you have to take. And w what I love about that whole message there is that, you know, for our audience, these are the people that are, you know, either getting started in their careers or they're maybe finding themselves in leadership roles and, and they're getting to that point where they really need to create maybe more, um, more extravagant goals for themselves than they, than they probably have ever uh, looked at before because now they're finding themselves in these positions where they're kind of setting the pace. They're becoming the leaders in their organizations or they're working towards that or they're leading people. And, you're, and those leaders will find their teams will really resonate with 
an individual that has a, a, a driven, self-determining attitude and someone who's going some places. They want to engage and partner and follow those kind of leaders. And the more we, as individuals, take on challenges in our life and push ourselves forward, our teams or our organizations will resonate with that and then look to um, uh, emulate that same behavior. You know, often when I think about setting audacious goals and putting yourself out there, I don't think about the influence it has on other people. And what Martin's talking about is taking those challenges and inspiring other people. And I think that that's something that we can do. We don't have to climb Mount Everest to do that. That's something that we can do on a day-to-day basis. So check out that podcast with Martin. That's podcast number 21. I want to talk a little bit about podcast number 29. This is a podcast with the uh, co-creator of Just Between Friends. It's a consignment franchise that's in uh, multiple states and something that I use when I had kids uh, in in the very early years. And it's a great thing for people on a budget. And uh, it's with Shannon Wilburn. She is a joy to talk to and uh, has just a great understanding of kind of working your way from not really feeling comfortable knowing what you're doing all the way to running this great company. And uh, in our conversation, we talk about a lot of different things, but one of the things we talked about was uh, discomfort and uh, the importance of discomfort in its relation to endurance and uh, taking that, that feeling of not knowing what you're doing and embracing that because that's the thing that's going to help carry you to that next level. So I want to play a little clip from podcast number 29 because it really encapsulates a lot of the conversation we have and a lot of themes that we talk about. Uh, We talk about endurance. We talk about discomfort. We talk about stepping outside of your comfort zone. So all those different things are fantastic talking points that we've had in the past. And and I'm really excited for you to hear what Shannon has to say. I um, I read a blog not too long ago that really resonated with me. In fact, I've sent it to several people. The title of the blog is maybe this is what success feels like. <laughs> and he goes, he goes on. I mean, he, he talks about all the great things that have happened in his business. Right. And he's like, but, but I still like, feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And maybe this is just what success feels like. Maybe it feels like, someone's going to find out that you don't know what you're doing. You know, I mean, it's that, it, but it was totally, I was like, Oh my gosh. So I sent this to like several, you know, my business friends. I'm like, this is, this is how I feel all the time. <laughs> well, what you're talking about is being yeah. uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Getting outside of that comfort zone. And, and yep. I think what happens is we get to a point in our careers or we get to a point in our life and we're comfortable. Right. And we're, we're like, you know what? Things are good. I'm, I'm doing okay. Like, uh, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here. And it's just so warm and fuzzy. It's like, you know, waking up in the morning and those bed covers are really heavy. You don't want to get out. You're like, I'm really comfortable right now, <laughs> but you got to get out of that bed. You got to push yourself beyond comfortability to discomfort because when discomfort happens, that's where you get things like endurance. And yep. you, you think about somebody who's running a marathon, um, that discomfort of training for a marathon actually creates the thing that allows you to finish the marathon. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, one of the things that you were talking about was um, when you, when you didn't have a lot of money and you yeah. had to do consignment shopping, I yep. thought of the quote, necessity is the mother of all invention because yeah. you had a need and yep. you found consignment to essentially get the clothing that you needed. But to the next extent, if necessity is the mother of all invention, then I believe that discomfort is the father of innovation. 
And what happened was, is you took that discomfort of trying to find all that consignment stuff on a consistent basis and you innovated and actually created something to alleviate that, which pretty much anybody who has kids, that's a, that's a pain point for them is where do I get right. this clothes? And it's so expensive. I mean, yep. it just, it, you, you essentially created something from that discomfort and that discomfort had you not kind of pushed out to, um, continue to grow it, to take that leap of faith, to go beyond, you know, the church gymnasium into the, uh, the Tulsa fairgrounds, that was probably really uncomfortable too. But had yes. you not done that, you probably wouldn't be where you are today. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone likes to go through the discomfort. And when things aren't going well in your business, trying to figure out why and um, working on problem solving around them and feeling like a failure, I will tell you, I've got a girlfriend who's going through some litigation in her franchise business, and which that's not unusual. Yeah. Um, it is uh, Franchising is highly litigious. Um, something someone else, you know, no one told me <laughs> when we <laughs> when we started franchising. That wasn't in and, franchising for dummies. Uh, no, <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe I skipped over that. I am quite the positive person, so I probably was like, I don't want to read that part. <laughs> that's way too negative. Let's skip over that's that. Right. That's right. You know, she was just talking about feeling like a failure, and and someone shared a quote with me one time that um, failure is not final. It's only feedback. And you have to have failure in your business. You have to have failure in your life, right? To be able to make a better decision next time and do something different next time, because uh, we're not all going to know exactly what to do. Like that's why you date guys before you get married to a guy and you make mistakes with you know, you figure out what you like, what you don't like. And so then that when you get married, hopefully you choose someone and you're not going to make as many mistakes. Yeah. Uh, it's the same in business. When you, when you make a mistake, you learn from it. And it doesn't mean you are a failure. It means that idea or that decision was a failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that just to get up, I think, I think probably the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is how you handle failure. Man, I love that quote. The difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is how you deal with failure. That's what I'm talking about with uh, some of these podcasts. Why they're so memorable to me is they just are full of some of these great nuggets of information and wisdom that people have learned along the way in their journey, in their entrepreneurial journey, in their leadership journey, and and, and all the different things that they're doing. There's just so much great stuff there. Uh, So check out podcast number 29. That's with Shannon Wilburn. Uh, I, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. I want to switch over to uh, a podcast. There's about four podcasts after that. This is podcast number 33. This is with Amber Day. Uh, And she talks about being an active character in your story. And uh, we coin, or she coins the term, or she quotes the term multi-potentialite. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me say multi-potentialite multiple times. And that's because uh, when Amber kind of brought it to my attention, I had never heard of it before. And as I've gone through figuring out purpose, figuring out what you're passionate about. Uh, Being a multi-potentialite is one of those things that I think you have to sort through to find out what your true passion is. So what I mean by that is if you have the ability to be good at multiple things, that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you're good at some of those things that that's the thing that you should do. So I'm going to turn it over to Amber to talk a little bit about what a multi-potentialite is and talk about how some of that shame of the constraints of what people's expectations are for you based on some of the things that you're good at is lifted because you no longer feel obligated to pursue every single thing that you're good at. 
That's exactly right. I, I love that. There actually is a theory. Have you heard of a multi-potentialite? I have not. This was a very, this was very freeing to me um, whenever I heard this. And so it's, I don't even know that there's research behind it. And I honestly don't care because it resonated <laughs> so true to me. I was like, this is truth. I'm going to own it. And it's, it's changed the way I look at everything. So there's a, na- a lady named Emily uh, Wapanick, I think is her last name. I honestly, it's got a lot of W's and K's, so I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but she uh, has this theory that there are multi-potentialites and there are specialists and that you are pre-wired for one of these two paths. And so right now, all of our careers are directed towards specialists. You pick at 18 what you want to do and you study it in college, you get out, you have a job, you retire at 65, you're an accountant for your life, right? But, and some people are wired that way. I know, I know true people who love accounting, brain surgery. You need to pretty much be a, a, a pretty dedicated brain surgeon to do things like that. So there are careers and jobs and, and brain wirings that lean towards being a specialist. The other thing is called a multi-potentialite. And it's somebody, it's like I said earlier, whenever I'm all in for three months and then three months later, I'm like, oh, what's the new thing? What's the new thing? And it's not that we just haven't found what we want to do yet. It's that we're continually building up on these uh, practices that we have and honing in on kind of a specific entre- entrepreneurial skill set that comes together. And so like, there was a lady who loved making jewelry. She loved travel. And she, there was one other thing. I can't remember what the heck it was working with her hands or something, whatever it was. Um, and she ended up making this jewelry, this line of jewelry where, um, if you go and travel the world, you can tell her the seven points you've been to, and she'll make like a little mini piece of jewelry based on your travels and, and set it into this beautiful necklace or, you know, and so she's found this way. Is she a jewelry maker? Uh, Is she a traveler? Uh, You know, it's like all of these things that don't seem to go together, but creating these digital niches now, once you find out kind of these things you want to do. And so it's always going to be molding and exploring and new. It's not this perpetual, gosh, what am I going to do when I grow up? But what you're going to do is you're going to create and you're going to grow and you're going to add value. And, and there's freedom in saying there's not a finish line, but it's a continual journey where I will continue to make money as I go. I love the risk taking. I love the new creating. I love leading other people and influencing. So, I mean, I'm just not going to find my specialist skill set because that's not how I'm wired. You know, that's very demotivating to me. Multi-potential. I, I've never yes. heard that before, but I, I do... Uh, I do really like kind of what you're saying with that because uh, I, I think the same people that would say I'm a multi-potentialite or maybe have been indirectly saying it say that I'm a jack of all trades but a master of none. And essentially yes, yes. They, they, they find success in different things but they haven't really specialized down because they enjoy doing all of them. That's right. And you know what? The Industrial Revolution told us you need to find your one thing where you're most valuable to society and stick to it. Put your head down. Produce, produce, produce. That's your lot in life, you know, to be that thing. That's not where we are anymore. We're in a digital age. And so we're still producing these one career track specialists. And we've got a lot of people who are like, man, I just don't fit that mold for my hometown that I'm never going to leave. I now have the internet to see that there's something in France. I want to take piano lessons in France and I'll be dang if I'm not going to buy a plane ticket and go over there and do it, you know, cause I can't. Yeah. That wasn't available to us 20 years ago. We couldn't look online and see that that was an option. So, um, yeah, check out the, the all, there's a lot of material out there on multi-potentialites and how to find purpose in that and um, direction. And it's, it's really, really great. It's, there's a lot of shame that's lifted when you don't hear that, that residual record in your head of, well, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to make a responsible decision? What do you want to do with your life? And it's this weight on our generation of like, man, what is my impact? And we think it has to be um, at some desk on a, on a corner, and it, it just can look very different now. I think it's important to remember with what 
Amber's talking about is that being that active character in your story and really taking control of your destiny instead of letting other people's determine your destiny. And that's one of the things she talks about at the end there is that your impact looks different now because it's no longer guided by the things that other people think you should be. It's you determining what you should be. And I think that's really freeing to a lot of people. She talked about lifting that shame of feeling what you should do. And so that it all comes back to purpose. It all comes back to figuring out who you want to be as a person, what you're good at, what you're created to be. And that leads perfectly into the next podcast with Dr. Nathan Baxter. Uh, this is podcast number 43, and this is one of my highest listened to podcasts. Dr. Baxter is a mentor to me, so I work with him and have some of these dis- different discussions. And one of the things that we've talked about many times in, in our conversations with each other other is finding that that balanced healthy life but also what success looks like at different age groups and it, it's one of those things where we can hit plateaus in our life and I, I first of all knowing what a plateau is and being able to identify that but then also looking at going back to what amber said with um, you know being a multi-potentialite you have a lot of rocket fuel. You have a lot of abilities and time to pursue the things that you want to be when you're younger. But as you get older into those 30s and 40s, you have less energy, you have less fuel, you have less time. And so you need to be more dialed into your purpose at that point. I want to play this clip because Dr. Baxter talks a lot about the different stages of life, what those plateaus look like, and how he's able to help people along the way. So this is one of those podcasts that I think it's one of my highest because I think a lot of people are going back and listening to it over and over again. And I think over the years, more people are going to listen to it because as they crest into their 30s and 40s and 50s, this is going to be relevant information as they get into that next decade of their life. 20s is all about getting established. Mm -hmm. I want a title. I want a job. I want identity. I want to prove that I've actually done something. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm here. 30s is about now that I kind of know who I am, I want to excel. Right. I want to achieve. 40s, you start to get um, a little more tired and you're a little bit more selective on burning the energy. So the 30s, for most 30 30 year olds that I've burnt, excuse me, that I've worked with, it's about getting them to have balance of life. Right. Because they will just burn all types of emotional fuel. So, what I've tried to do is to understand which particular season of life I am as a man mm-hmm. and make the adjustments accordingly so that I'm, I'm living a balanced, healthy life. I like that because and for me, like, so I'm in my 30s right now going, uh, I feel like I'm just barreling down on 40. But, you know, kind of what you're talking about there is realizing that each decade, each, um, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, there's essentially something that you're trying to achieve. There's some sort of goal to it. And I think that ties into the self-leadership is, is identifying, all right, based on where I'm at right now, what should I be working on? What should I, what should I do? But knowing that there's a whole new set of things coming up in your, in your 40s and then into your 50s. And, and I, I believe it ultimately leads to you know, legacy and everything else. But you, you kind of need to develop and create those different levels of success in those different age groups. And if you don't achieve that in your 20s, you can still do that in your 30s, right? It's just it's going to take a little bit longer or you got to work harder or how does that work? Well, the <clears throat> kind of go back to a little bit better answer for you on your question. Um, a, a, sort of a checklist with any guy that comes in here that I kind of have to see, give him a little bit of an audit on how he's doing in self-leadership is, mm-hmm. does he have a good sense of identity? Does he really know who he is? Mm-hmm. 
what is the image or the what is he trying to portray to others who meet him? And and guys, we're the we're the worst. Yeah. Because you go to any social mixer, you go to a luncheon, and hi, my name is. And in the next five minutes, both guys will deliver the information they want the other person to know about them. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, hey, let me just give you my resume, even though you're not asking, and I'll do it in a in a cool way. But here's what I want you to know about me, you know, yeah. where I work, where I grew up, whatever we're trying to push. So I want to make sure they have a good, healthy sense of identity. The other thing is, do they really understand what they're doing on the planet? Mm-hmm. You know, why, why are you here? That's what, a, what, that's a big role? topic right there. Yeah, what's your purpose? Yeah. Um, and the younger we are, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But we've got enough rocket fuel, who cares? Right. We just hustle. So as we mature in age, we have to mature in our identity and our understanding and our purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's why a, a, probably the most common demographic for me to work with are 45 to 55. Mm-hmm. Because the kids are kind of in their lane. We've kind of had some successes, some losses. We're starting to get a little bit more tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't care about some things that we used to care about. And we start asking bigger questions. Yeah. But um, with even my young guys, when they were in high school, we talked about the plateau, mm-hmm. self-discovery, self-awareness, um, purpose, identity. Is the plateau what people would consider the midlife crisis? Is that, is that essentially what no, it looks like? No, you can like? have a plateau anytime you have a um, lack of direction and purpose. Uh-huh. So that's why kids can blow through four years of college and come out and their major and what they want to do for a living are two two things. So they plateaued out so they didn't apply themselves during college or they didn't apply themselves in high school. Mm-hmm. In your 20s, most of us get married there and so uh, and we're just doing whatever. We're trying to earn our way, earn our stripes, get some promotions here and there. Yeah. Um, and we don't think much about where we're going in life. We're just trying to pay the rent. Yeah. So a plateau happens anytime you're you're just spinning your wheels, you're working hard, you're exerting a lot of energy, focus, and resources, but you're not convinced anymore you're going anywhere. Mm. That's what sort of is the definition of a plateau. And that can happen on any level. So any 20s, level. 30s, 40s, it can yeah. happen anywhere in there. Yeah. Man, plateaus, different phases of life. There's just so much meat in that conversation with Dr. Baxter. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. Go back and check out podcast number 43 if you want to hear the whole thing. I strongly encourage you to do that. It's the number one podcast for a reason. Uh, It's just got so much great information. So be sure to check that out. Uh, A couple episodes later, we we were really on a a streak with podcasts um, that month because Podcast 46, I had the opportunity to talk to somebody who I would have never imagined that I'd have the opportunity to talk to. In this podcast, we get to speak to Paul Blanchard. He's the president of the Ogmandino Leadership Institute. And when you talk about leadership coaching and leadership training, they implement a lot of the principles that are established in Ogmandino's book, The Greatest Salesman in the World. And he actually has created a, a scientific method to really help you dial into your purpose. Uh, he calls it your in- uh, intentional creation assessment, but it helps you kind of figure out who you are as a person, what your talents and what your strengths are. And then they use that to guide you into your your purpose in life. And it's a great tool. It was so cool because 
before the podcast, he actually had me fill out the intentional creation assessment. And from that, as I was interviewing him, uh, at some point, he kind of turned the conversation and started talking to me and used that to help coach me a little bit, which I wasn't really uh, planning on. But it was it was some great information. And um, one of the things that I want to highlight from the actual podcast itself is uh, kind of talking about the importance of results versus uh, people because everybody wants results. Everybody's driven. If you're if you're a leader, a lot of times you're always striving for those results. But a lot of times people, if you're not careful, you look at people as, as something that gets in the way of it. And, and you're trying to find that balance between people and results and, and how do you kind of put those two things together. And so having Paul speak on that topic and, and really talk about finding balance in life when it comes to leadership uh, is just a fantastic topic. And so uh, here's a little clip of, of Paul talking about uh, how that's impacted him uh, in, in his leadership role. So it started out instinctually, but since working a lot closer and becoming a formal part of this organization here with, with the Augmentino group, I've been able to rationalize it and quantify it mathematically. But essentially, there are three levels to our lives. We process our lives intrinsically, which are things that are priceless, like the most, the most common, the pinnacle of intrinsic value is a human being, priceless beyond worth. Um, and then we value our lives and everything around us extrinsically. That's the stuff. And then we value our lives systemically, which are the, the rules and the structure and the discipline and authority, kind of the, what the, the framework that allows the stuff to work and gives, and gives the, the people direction in terms of plans and what to do next. So no one thing can be excluded from that equation. All three are really important. Where we find discord in our lives, where we find frustration, where we find we feel like we're stuck in first gear on the freeway or we can't even get on the on-ramp is when we start to get those out of order. Results are, are critical. We, we don't want to withdraw that from the equation, but you put it perfectly. It's when the results become more important than the people that we can get uh, in a, uh, create a lot of challenges. The results I created that got me the nod for, for going out to, to DC were the people that I well, not the people I created, but the, the opportunities that I facilitated for them, the, the things that I taught them, the, the trust I had in them to take on, on things that my nature would normally be, I need to do that myself to get it done right, or wanting to get a little bit of credit for what happened. And, you know, some of us can passive aggressively go about that kind of conversation while trying to still make the team look good, or, or we get overly humble and it's annoying about you know, oh, I didn't do that. I wasn't a part of that. I mean, that's all imbalances that we want to keep in check because the, the results are what are what drive the work forward. But it's the people that are what make the results matter. And so if we start every day knowing that the people are the reason that not just not just people in general, I love the line from Men in Black when Tommy Lee Jones told Will Smith, a person is smart, but people are stupid. <laughs> I loved how he how he separated the two. When when I talk about people, it, it needs to be a person, many yeah. persons. Like you don't have a team. That's an idea. You have uh, Jane and Mark and Tommy and Melissa and whatever, and they are real human beings to you. And if that clarity is in store, then you can trust your drive for the results. But if your drive for the results starts to sabotage the team, 
then one of two things are happening. One, you're making the results more important than the people, or they're making themselves more important than the team. And, and both have a lot of value in terms of understanding that clarity, but both are, are, are critical. And then the structure and the systems are, are how we find consistency. It's how we not have to learn the same lessons over and over and over again. And, and all three are critical. So the, the long explanation comes to a short answer and that's balance. Everything in life is about drive with balance, balancing the, the like I hear people talking about work-life balance. That's a really common discussion in balance. I don't believe mm -hmm. in work balance. I think it's garbage. There's life. As soon as you start creating silos, you're opening yourself up to, to put a different set of rules in place for each one of those areas. So I have a different set of rules for my friends, different set of rules for my coworkers. Hey, guess what? And I learned this from Jack. My coworkers are my friends. <laughs> What's so dangerous about doing that? Oh, these are my professional relationships. These are my person. They're all relationships. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there's certain inferences. I get it that you're, you're going to treat an employee a little differently than your wife, I would hope, or your husband or significant other. I get that. But at its core of the connection with, with human beings, it's all life. And, and as soon as we start siloing, it, then we miss the opportunity to allow principles to guide it all. And we're just getting set on these different types of rules and dialogue that we've been taught about how to take these different things on. And it allows too many things in our life to be able to hide from our own awareness to be able to improve. And we might even miss the fact that intellectually, we've convinced ourselves that the people are as important as the results. But if someone else from, uh, you know, from the outside looking in comes and takes a look, it might be a tough reality check. So just a, a couple things that have been some really tough lessons to learn for me. I didn't always get this. When I was in real estate investing, I certainly wasn't in it for the people. <laughs> yeah. But I did have results, but they felt like crap. <laughs> Anybody that tells you otherwise, as convinced as I was that I had a Hummer and a BMW, a nice house and all this other stuff and blah, 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 that it would just be, I'd be set. It wasn't the case because I wasn't in balance. When you think about balance, I think it's something that we always hear about, but in terms of practical application, I feel like we, we skip over it a lot. We like to shift over to one direction and the other, and then next thing you know, we don't realize we're out of balance until we're starting to see all of the results of being out of balance. And so I think it's good to remind ourselves the importance of constantly reflecting and looking at, evaluating what's going on to, to identify whether or not you're in balance or not. If you're so results driven that you're pushing past people to try to accomplish the thing that you want to, and you're seeing people leave the business, you're seeing uh, people move to different departments, those are signs that you're out of balance. So try to figure out the way to correct and adjust that balance so you can shift things in the right direction. Part of that's culture. Part of that is um, having a good set values of your business, having a firm foundation of culture, uh, mission, vision, values, that kind of stuff in your business. And that kind of leads me to the last podcast that we're going to highlight today on this podcast. And that's podcast number 55. Podcast number 55 is my conversation with Steve Trice. He's the founder of Jasco Products, which is in Oklahoma City. And I first came across him at an event in Tulsa, and I was hearing him talk about 
all of the things that he does to invest in his employees. And it literally blew my mind the amount of resources that he was putting into his employees. He made the statement that if I say that people are my greatest resource, but I don't invest in them, then I'm a liar. That really impacted me when when he said that because I, I feel like that's something that we're programmed to say, that people are our most important resource. But when you don't uh, back that up with investing in them and finding ways to develop people, then you're just saying it for the sake of saying it. Instead of people being your greatest resource, you're actually actually leveraging them to accumulate wealth. And so I really wanted to talk to him and see why he was so adamant. It, it sounded like something that I knew was important, but I really wanted to dig into his motivation behind it. So this last podcast, podcast number 55, we talk about stewardship and just how stewardship plays a role in the business that he, that he, that he founded. And he takes it a step way beyond what I was anticipating him to take it to. And once he explains the role of stewardship uh, in his business, everything else made sense afterwards. So check out this clip from Steve where he talks about the role of stewardship in his business. Let me tell you the extent to which we take stewardship too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, and this may sound like a radical idea, uh, to most of our audience today, uh, but uh, if if I'm a steward of Jasco products, and a lot of us a lot of us as Christians we use that those words, right? But if I'm a steward of Jasco products, and God actually owns Jasco products, who owns the profits of Jasco products? I don't. Uh-huh. I'm just stewarding. The profit, the profits for God. Mm-hmm. Now, in in our case, I get a market salary for what I do. I get a market bonus for what I do. Um, our sons that that work here, in fact, they are co CEOs of Jasco Products. Uh, they get a market salary and a bonus for what they do. Mm-hmm. All available profits go to the work of the Lord. We don't we don't take the profit if He's the owner. If, if, if you have a public company, the stockholders are the owners, so they get the profits from the company. In our situation, God is the stockholder, and so he gets the profits from the company, and we give it away. Uh, we give it away, we pay taxes on the balance, and we have to have a, we have to have a portion to grow the company on, right. but all available profits are given away. Wow. Uh, that does that feels pretty radical, I, especially... I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that, but I would say, yeah, to the bulk of the audience listening, especially to the 25-year-old uh, version of myself, I could see where that would definitely be something that would completely be opposite of what I would think at that point. If we look at Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 11, it says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Mm -hmm. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
and you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgivings to God. Four times, Evan, in those six verses, God says, the more you give, the more you will get to give. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're a steward, I mean, I've watched this company over time. We've tried out giving. I've watched this company over time. Uh, the more we give, the more we get to give, the more we get to give, the more we get to give. It's his. And when you do it that way, I mean, we, we run a fairly large, uh, 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 let's call it a medium sized company okay. and a market salary and a bonus for what I do, you know, based on, based on market numbers. Uh-huh. What, what, what do I need more than that? <laughs> I mean, I mean, do, do, do I need, I mean, what, what do I need? Do I need a jet? Do I need a home in, in, in France? I mean, and I'll share with you one other thing. It, it was easier for me probably because we were in debt for 36 years. Well, okay. Yeah, 36 <laughs> <laughs> 36 of our 42 years. So most of it was going to the bank. Uh-huh. So why not let most of it go to the Lord's work now that the banks are all paid off? I think after listening to Steve talk about investing and stewardship and all these other things, I think it makes a lot more sense when he's talking about trying to outgive God or just giving back to his people. Because if he looks at the role that he's in, He's in a position where he can truly invest in people, and that's a part of his business. He's going to get better people because of it. Um, his customers are going to benefit, and it's part of his role as a leader to help the people that are working on his team. And so it made a lot more sense after you hear him present it that way, but man, just hearing somebody talk like that and, and to look at myself 10 years ago, I don't think I could have even fathomed the conversation with him. I, I just wouldn't have been able to get it. I, and I still struggle with some of the things that he talks about, just that level of trust and stewardship. I don't know that I'm there yet. I don't, And, and I think it starts with baby steps. If you listen to the podcast, I kind of say to him, if we're listening to this and we're hearing where you're at, how do we, how do we get there? How does that even happen? And, and, and his answer was so perfect. He says, it starts with steps. It's it's not something that happens right away. You begin to trust more and more and realize your role as a steward and as a leader. And that's when it really starts to make sense. So be sure to check that podcast out. Um, I've given you eight podcasts here to listen to. There's obviously a lot more content on there. Hopefully, if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast, do me a favor, like and subscribe, uh, leave a comment. That kind of stuff is always helps us out. Hopefully, I've inspired you to check out some of the older podcasts. I know I'm not the greatest in the beginning in terms of a host. I feel like that's progressing. I still have a long ways to go. And so I'm looking to find new guests, new content, Hopefully these things are helping you. There's actually some really good podcasts more recently that I've had that I didn't highlight on this, but I think the content in those is just as good, especially some of the ones with, with Jim Stovall and, and some of the past guests that are, that are actually pretty recent. I didn't include those here because we haven't circled back uh, to those in, in conversations yet or they haven't kind of gotten the same amount of listens as some of these other ones. But these are the ones that I wanted to kind of highlight for you so that you can see what people are listening to, what's resonating with people, and the ones that are really impactful to myself. And so with that, and with this being the end of the year, hopefully this is something that's inspiring you, 
to reflect on what's going on in your life and your role as a leader. Uh, hopefully these things are encouraging you and just I want to say thank you for tuning in and thank you for listening. I really enjoy this. I was talking to a, a guest earlier just uh, on a, another podcast that I was recording, and I, it was one of those things where I was looking at the amount of time that goes into it and looking forward to editing these. So if you're getting something out of these, and hopefully you're getting a, as much as I'm getting out of these, um, share them with your friends and continue to listen. I'll work on my end to bring the best possible content to you, and we'll grow this together. So with that, remember... Choose to connect, be inspired, and seek development. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.